Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Alex, episode 104. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, and Dane, this is it. Our last episode before we see Batman v Superman. <laughs> it's almost kind of hard to believe, and it's at the same time exciting and both bittersweet because it's been great in the build-up talking about it, but we're not going to be able to do that anymore after this episode because we will have seen it. So it's kind of a bittersweet episode, if you ask me. Bittersweet, but I guess the payoff is going to be what we we take away from this, right? Exactly. It'll be it'll be the worth it in the being, end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The payoff being seeing the actual movie right I, I, that's, if you were to you know switch like switch and like have a choice oh would you rather just have that excitement forever and never see the movie or see the movie and not have that excitement of anticipation i think everyone's going to choose you know see the movie instead of just always having that anticipation and excitement even though it's half the fun of leaving up to these movies so it's i mean because when you think it's almost pretty much like i would just compare it to the force awakens i sent the tweet out about that and how the Force Awakens got announced in 2012 that came out in 2015, three-year wait. Batman v Superman was announced at Comic-Con 2013, so that's a, almost a three-year wait for that. Not quite exactly, but three years of build-up and anticipation and excitement for a movie is a long time, so it does feel a little strange when it's all going to come to an end, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah, yeah, because... Yeah, I'm getting kind of sick of waiting around, and I just want to see the thing already. <laughs> That's a good point, too, yeah. <laughs> but before we go into that and see Batman v Superman, we still got to talk about the last Batman movie, which is, of course, The Dark Knight Rises. And we're almost there, getting to that milestone of one hour. We're going to be going through minutes 55 through 56 on this episode. So I don't know if what's more exciting, Batman v Superman or you know making it to an hour of Dark Knight Rises in our minute-by-minute commentary. It's kind of hard to choose either one, really. Well, I mean, you figure we've been doing this for 54 episodes now. It's 54? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 54 episodes. Um, is this going to be our... It, I, I don't know what's worse. Like, waiting minute by minute each show to get to the big fight, a big fight scene or waiting to, you know, see Batman v Superman? I think the waiting... Uh, minute by minute to get to a big fight scene probably takes as long as we have waited for Batman v Superman to come out. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. And even the short fight scene we got on the last few episodes of Batman and Catwoman fighting Bane's man on the roof, it was over like that. I think it lasted just one episode, so that wasn't even a minute. So when we get to that Bane fight, it's going to last for a while. That's going to be the big one. Yeah, but they do a lot of talking in that fight. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, or before that fight starts. So we're going to be sitting through a lot of talking, a couple episodes of talking before I think we they actually fight. It'll be worse. We're going to spend at least hopefully five episodes just on that Bane fight. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. But we got to get there first. So go ahead and get your HD DVD, VHS, beta copy, laser disc, all the dead media formats, and we can begin our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute commentary of Minute 55. So, Dane, are you ready? Yes, Tim, I am ready to do this laborious task <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get through it together Dan okay alright so we're going to start in 3, 2, 1 play it's Batman and Catwoman on the rooftop and I kind of said this 
a few episodes ago where we saw Catwoman on a rooftop, how that's just, you know, such a iconic imagery of Batman and Catwoman, just seeing Catwoman on a rooftop. Well, I think that goes the same for seeing Batman and Catwoman both on a rooftop. Not necessarily doing anything. I mean, they're just talking, but visually it's just, you know, a classic Batman and Catwoman look. So I'm glad there was one scene like that in this movie. Well, you pretty much have to have it. Yeah, you had to. You can't have Catwoman and Batman not do that. And probably the funniest line Batman has ever said in all three of these movies. <laughs> but I remember hearing that, that got a lot of flack saying he said that, or you know, so that's what that feels like in his Batman voice, but yeah. nobody was there. But you know, if that's his Batman voice, Batman is the main persona of Bruce Wayne. That's how he's going to talk. If he could talk like that all the time, he would. So it makes perfect sense to me that he would say that in his voice, even though nobody was there. Yeah. And we're in the Batcave, and that's where we're going to end. <laughs> Oh, man, we're getting so close to, to something. Yeah, we're, we're in some good visual moments. Even though there's not a lot of action, there's still cool stuff to look at, it, at least for the next few minutes, I would think, in the Batcave. Yeah, yeah, because the Bat is always cool to look yeah, at. even better when it's in the Batcave. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's it for our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute commentary. So we'll go ahead and get into our featured topic, which for this episode, like I alluded to at the beginning, it's going to be our final thoughts on Batman v Superman since this is it our last episode before we actually see the movie so kind of tell you guys what we're feeling right now being only two weeks out what are our thoughts what we're most excited for if there's anything that we're still concerned about and also just what was our favorite moment over the last three years and the lead up to this movie and some of the big announcements and the stuff that you know got us super hyped for it so um for me i guess we'll just go ahead and start off with you know being two weeks out what i'm most excited for and we talked about this before where, of course, the big thraw is going to be seeing Batman against Superman, Batman teaming up with Superman, and then having Wonder Woman in there. But as awesome as that's going to be, we kind of saw a little bit of, with that stuff in you know trailers and some of the commercials, seeing Batman and Superman together. I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, like the coolness of that is wearing off, but you know, it's not like such a big shock now that, oh, we're seeing Batman and Superman together for the first time. We've been seeing that a lot now with these trailers and commercials. So, But what I'm most excited about for going into it is just, you know, the dynamic that not only Bruce and Su- – or not Batman and Superman are going to have, but the Bruce and Clark dynamic. And I said that when the third trailer came out, how I love that interaction they had where Clark tries to ask Bruce about his thoughts on the Batman. And it just captured that so perfectly. So – I'm hoping we get more moments with that with Bruce and Clark and then with Batman and Superman throughout the movie, you know, once they're done fighting and they have those fun moments there because that's the big draw to me when you get Batman and Superman on screen. Not them, you know, fighting each other or fighting with each, not fighting against each other and then later teaming on, teaming up with each other, fighting Disney. That's all going to be awesome to see. But just the dynamic that they both have, the, the chemistry they have together as, you know, characters perfect example is Batman and Superman and Justice League in the animated series. They just captured why those two characters work so well together, even though they're complete opposites. So what I'm most excited for is to see that captured on screen for the first time. And it looks like they are. We've got little teases of it, but I'm hoping we're going to see so much more of that in the actual movie. And one thing I'm hoping to see is you know, the moment Clark finds out Bruce is Batman and Bruce finds out that Clark is Superman. Because that's always an anticipated thing when these characters meet up for the first time and they team up like because we know they eventually always find out their secret identities but how is that going to play out in this episode i can't wait to see that i thought 
I mean, I'm hoping it can top what the animated series did where there was that great scene where Bruce or Batman busts into that nightclub to try to find out from someone where the Joker is at. And then Superman isn't happy with his methods and they have a little skirmish. And Superman, you know, just peeks with his x-ray vision under Batman's cowl and sees that he's Bruce Wayne. And that annoys him. And then at the very end, which Bruce taught Superman and where he plants a tracking device on Superman's cape and he just follows Clark back to his apartment and with his binoculars sees who he really is as he changes his uniform and then realizes that he's Clark Kent. So if we get something cool like that where they're one-upping each other as far as you know finding out their secret identity, that's just going to add to their characters and then the close bond that we know they're going to have later d- down the line in Justice League and future other DC EU movies. So I'm most excited for is just to see you know the bond and the relationship that Batman and Superman are going to build once they get through you know their disagreements and their fight because you know it's all going to end up for them being teammates and partners so right now that's what i'm most excited for despite all the cool coolness of the fights and uh, action sequences so right this being two weeks out that's what i just can't wait to see so how about you dan what are you most excited for right now just being two weeks out i'm most excited for or, or to see how they're gonna sort of I don't really know how to say it. Like, um, make it both a Batman and a Superman movie, because I mean, you, you're gonna have to establish Batman and you're gonna have to establish Superman, and it's gonna almost be two different movies, right? And uh, I'm just wondering how they're gonna, you know, present Batman as you know this this sort of superhero and. Superman as this sort of superhero, like like if you look at the Dark Knight trilogy, I mean it's it's pretty much only, uh, it's only Batman, maybe Gordon, Lucius, maybe uh, Alfred, and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. But 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 in this movie, you you have two huge superheroes, and I want, I'm just wondering how they're going to make it both Batman's movie and how they're going to make it. Uh, Superman's movie and Wonder Woman's movie. Yeah, well, I think Wonder Woman, I mean, she's not going to have, I don't think she's going to have a big part as far as like being like her movie too. I, I get what you're saying about it being, you know, splitting time between Batman and Superman. And yeah, it is going to be curious to see if they strike that balance perfectly. And because when you look at the trailers and stuff, you get more of the feeling that it's a Batman movie than a Superman movie. And, you know, before we even got the title Batman v Superman, we're all talking about we're referring it to the Man of Steel sequel since we didn't have a name but it's going to have Batman in it but they kind of went away from that and built it as its own thing and not it's a follow up movie to Man of Steel but it's not really it's true sequel so yeah it's going to be interesting and I hope it is a nice balance and you know this might sound dumb or wrong for me to say as a Batman fan but I hope it's not you know a full on Batman movie where he's the main focus as much as this Batman looks awesome. I still would like it to have that, you know, nice balance between the two where you don't get that feeling one way or, or the other that, Oh, it's too much Superman. Oh, it's too much Batman when they're both in the title where it's Batman v Superman. So you're expecting to have some pretty, you know, even screen time and like uh, dedication to each character. So we'll see how that plays out. I kind of have a feeling since we know how the movie starts with the prologue, of Bruce in Metropolis with the at the end of Man of Steel seeing all the destruction so looks like he's going to be the first character we're going to see but after that where's the shift going to go is it still going to focus on Bruce Are we going to, is that going to be followed by that awesome 
opening sequence in the final trailer with Batman taking out those thugs in the warehouse, or are we going to switch to the Superman side of things to see what he's been up to since the end of that? So definitely interested and uh, anxious to see how they're going to work all out, how the pacing of the movie is going to be, too. Um, I know we'll get into our concerns later, but that's not necessarily a concern I have. It's more of a, just a curiosity thing, just how is it all going to be, you know, paced out and uh, edited together as a movie to, you know, make a cohesive viewing experience where you feel like you're getting the most out of both characters. But yeah, so like I said, I don't think that is a concern, but speaking of concerns, um, we're being two weeks out still, and you know, there's that big Entertainment Weekly article we got uh, last week, which I didn't read because I've heard from a lot of people that there was some spoiler material in there, and being so close and just a few weeks out, I didn't want to take a chance and read anything, even though there's probably stuff in there I already know, but Plain to say, there's still things I wanted to keep a mystery, so I didn't read it. But um, given that uh, more, like, more information is coming out and then, as we're so close to release, and I do have to say on the concern front, there's nothing new that I found out or have been hearing that's making me concerned about this movie. I'll just say I got three concerns right now. One is, you know, which I talked about before, so I won't go into it, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, <laughs> his portrayal as the character is not one I was expecting and not too excited about right now, but be glad to be proven wrong. I know Mark's been banging that drum <laughs> for Jesse Eisenberg's performance. It thinks he's going to be something great. So I hope he's right. But right now, I, besides those Turkish airline commercials, I haven't seen anything to prove otherwise that's making me excited before his performance. So, Yeah, me neither. I just don't see it. I, I'm sorry. I just don't see how he's going to be this evil mastermind. But I will say... I have read from a different sides of people who have sources who have seen the movie, and they're saying that Ben Affleck's Batman and like Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor are the standouts of the movie. So and I was surprised to hear that. It gave me a little hope, but it didn't wash away all my concerns because still just basing off my judgment from what I've seen so far. So <laughs> like I said, I'll be glad to be proven otherwise if he ends up being a great Lex Luthor. So. But right now it's still a concern. And then another one I have is... Um, going back to the whole Bruce and Superman or Batman and Superman dynamics of the movie, I am a little concerned as far as maybe it's, it shouldn't be a concern, but it's another thing as far as like being curious about where what's actually going to make them team up. What's going to be the moment where Bruce realizes that Superman is not his enemy and that um, he needs to work with him. I am concerned that it may be something that Batman does reluctantly where, you know, he seems do he sees Doomsday and even though he still doesn't trust Superman, he has to, you know, put his feelings aside and use Superman to help him take out Doomsday because he's the bigger threat. I hope my hope is that they, you know, put aside their differences before they even realize Doomsday is a threat. Superman does something that makes Batman realize, okay, I can trust this guy. Um, I was wrong about him and then but then Doomsday will come later and they're already working together and will be able to take him down, of course, with Wonder Woman's help. I just hope by... I mean, even if it does end up being where Superman only uh, gains Batman's trust during their fight a Doomsday, I just definitely want to see it resolved by the end of Batman v Superman. I don't want any, you know, bad feelings or mistrust still lingering between Batman and Superman by the time we get to Justice League. I know Batman always has that sense of caution with him all the time. I mean, look at these past stories, especially like... Uh, Tower of uh, Babel, where Batman has all those uh, contingency plans um, against the Justice League. So he always does have that cautious uh, aspect to his personality, but 
Um, that's you know that's something he keeps a secret, and he knows you know deep down he can trust these guys, and especially Superman. I like I said before, I just really want to see that strong bond that those two characters have. So I hope it's taken care of in this movie, and it doesn't you know have any lingering effects later on to Justice League. So that's if I have one concern, it would be that regarding their dynamic and how that issue with Batman's mistrust is going to be resolved by the time uh, this movie ends. So not a big concern, but it is something that I am wondering like how I'm going to feel about it depending on what they do and what story reason there is for that to get resolved. So we'll see. And then yeah, but can can you do that in one movie? I think they can. If they I think they have to in this one, especially by the end. They're setting up Justice League, they have to fight Doomsday. They have to learn to trust each other by the time it's done, I think. Yeah. Because I don't want that going on for two movies, this and Justice League. I, I mean, my dream is like I said to have, you know, by the time Justice League, they're all... Of course, they're going to have to work out the kinks as a fully formed team with all these other superheroes, but I at least want the Batman and Superman Wonder Woman dynamic to be, you know, the trinity that we all know and love from the comics and the Justice League animated movies and series. So that's my hope. <laughs> so I, I think they're going to go that route from what... Uh, at least from what I've seen and I'm expecting to go down, I think that's going to be the case. But it is in the back of my mind, just a little concern I have. So hopefully when we do our review episode, I won't go, oh, everything in the movie was awesome. But there is this one thing that's still bothering me. So hopefully it won't be that once we see it. And the last little concern I have has nothing to do with the movie itself. It's just going to be the reaction for the movie. (laughs) I mean, I've said it before, how I'm thinking this is going to be a superhero movie reaction by fans like we've never seen before, even more so than Man of Steel. And I'm preparing myself for it, but at the same time, I don't want it to see it happen. <laughs> I would love it if this movie surprises those who are, you know, are doubting it or already going into it and not liking it. I hope it turns a lot of people around so we can kind of get a more, you know, unif- unified reaction to it and, uh, opinion on the movie that it's well received like some of the you know like the dark knight was that of course no movie is perfectly received as always and people don't like it but universally i think it's safe to say the dark knight is one of those movies that almost everybody loved so if we can get that with batman v superman that would be great but i'm just concerned about an even more negative reaction than man of steel and i've got to try not to let that affect my opinion of it if i end up loving it like i think i will so that's another concern that's probably the biggest out of all of them but even though it's nothing to do with the movie itself i just know it's going to be a weird time once everyone has seen it and they're giving their opinions on about it so it's going to be interesting to say the least yeah and that's one of my fears too uh, i fear that this movie is going to I mean, not for the general public, but uh, for comic book fans, Batman fans, Superman fans, fans that love both. Um, I, f- I fear that this is going to, you know, uh, this is going to be either a movie you love passionately or this is going to be, be a movie that you hate. And there's not going to be any in between. There's not going to be anybody that's going to be like, oh, well, I thought it was all right you know i i feel like this is going to be like you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it yeah just like how man of steel was you rarely hear people say oh it was okay or i like certain parts of it i've heard a few like that but it's either oh this movie's garbage it was awful or this is the greatest movie ever type of thing so i yeah like i said i just think it's going to be man of steel times 10 (laughs) like the part of me that thinks that, uh, that then there's the optimistic side of me. You go, well, 
I don't know, this is going to be something that's actually going to turn people around, too, because, like I said before on other episodes, everything I'm seeing looks like that's going to be the case, but, yeah, I just know there's people going into it already not liking what they're seeing, and I don't know, seeing more of it's going to change their minds, but I will say um, there has been a few more reports of people seeing the movie going online, and it seems to be getting a pretty positive reaction from most people who've seen it. I know on Entertainment Weekly, um, they wrote a the big article on it. I believe it was uh, Anthony Bresnikan who uh, saw it, and he said he really liked it. I mean, he's not doing the review for it, but he said uh, he was left happy after what he was seeing. So, And then I know they've had a few screenings for certain people, and it's getting a pretty positive reaction out of that. So this is a sign of good things, but again, you can't base too much off that because that's not a lot of the majority of the people who are going to see it. But better to have that than people reporting out saying uh, i don't know about this one and that entertainment article um actually not the article but the writer anthony bresnikan did put out some tweets and i think i we even retweeted it out on our bat fans podcast twitter about like bullet points of what he thought about the movie and it all stuff that sounded great to me and one of the things was if you like man of steel you're gonna love this movie and if you had problems with the ending of man of steel he said there may be something at the end of this movie that may you know change your thinking about that but he also said too if you're someone who just doesn't like the darker gritty tone that man of steel said then this probably won't be your cup of tea either so that was a lot of stuff i was expecting and it was kind of good to see that to reaffirm you know what i was the most excited for for seeing it too and it looks like it hit all those right beats so that definitely uh, gave me some excitement for it also once i read that so yeah like you said at the beginning dane uh, just at that point now, we're two weeks out. We're hearing all this good stuff. We're seeing this cool stuff. It's time to see the movie. <laughs> I mean, that's the okay. only thing that's next for us just to sit down, see it for ourselves, and take it all in and bask in the glory of Batman v Superman. So <laughs> it's yeah. almost here. We're so close. But another one of my worries is that this this uh, this movie is going to be too stylized. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, like um, Zack Snyder's uh, Sucker uh-huh. Punch, which was really, really stylized, and you know it, it had a certain look to it. And unfortunately, they put all all of their minds on that, and they forgot about the story, and it had a terrible, weak story. And that's another one of my fears that they're going to be worried about all these big fight scenes and, you know, Batman and Superman fighting together and Doomsday and Wonder Woman and all of these things. And then they're, they're going to forget about the actual story. So, yeah, that, that's a huge worry of mine. Have you, are you getting any that vibe like when you see the trailers or TV spots or anything? Or is it just kind of, you know, it looks awesome, but in the back of your mind, it's a little worry that that may end up coming to fruition if you see it. It's, it's, it's really hard to tell because right now it, it looks like they have certain pillars down already. Like, like all of these things with um, Superman being seen as a God and, you know, Batman trying to, you know, or being worried about Superman um, uh, becoming too powerful. Right. And it seems like they have all this, but but do they give those kind of things enough enough attention, or are they too focused on, you know, the the big three and all this yeah. other stuff, the fight scenes and everything else? Yeah, I mean, 
that's a legitimate worry to have, and I, I hope and I think that I don't think that's going to be the case, especially for what I'm seeing. And another cool thing too, um, one thing I did uh, read from that or uh, Entertainment Weekly article, I believe this is where it was from, where they talked to the writer Chris Terriel, and you know everyone got excited when he took over writing the script from David Goyer because you know him and Ben Affleck had great success with Argo. And despite, you know, Chris Terrio and Ben Affleck winning the Oscar for that movie, you would thought, oh, it was one of those things where Ben Affleck, you know, brought him on board once he got cast. But it was Ben Affleck said it was just kind of a coincidence, really, where Warner Brothers sought out Chris Terrio without, you know, even consulting Ben Affleck. They just liked what he did, I guess, so much on Argo and as a writer, really wanted to be a part of, you know, their tentpole franchise moving forward so it kind of gives me confidence that you know he's proven himself to be a good writer already Warner Brothers wanted him on you know their biggest project and they must have thought he did a good great job with this because he's writing Justice League too so I am pretty confident that they're gonna we're gonna have some meat (laughs) to the story and not just you know great stylization sequence but yeah but at the same time you can look at a movie like Man of Steel where the the fight scenes were awesome and you know it's it's Zack Snyder's sort of strong suit right these these whole big fight scenes are what he does best you know you saw it in 300 you saw it in Sucker Punch um, in all of his movies but I don't know something worries me about the story that it, 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 it may not be that great Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I got I got yeah. all the confidence in the world, but at the same time, I totally get where you're coming from too. Is there's always that possibility <laughs> where yeah, you know, something just and it could just be something that might not click with you also. And but at the same time too, I will say it might be one of those movies too, where like Man of Steel, where you kind of have to see it again, you know, to take it a better approach at like taking it all in and seeing what they were giving us instead of you know being in awe of <laughs> seeing this awesome stuff for the first time as you're watching the movie so i have a feeling it might be the case too where you have to see it a few times you know to truly appreciate what they were going for yeah and i mean this isn't going to be a make or break thing if the story is a little weak you know i mean it's 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 not going to ruin the movie for me it's not going to make me hate the movie but um it, it is a great concern of uh for me because to be honest, I was kind of let down by the the story in Man of Steel, particularly um, uh, Clark Kent growing okay. up, and especially when uh, uh, Jonathan Kent died. Yeah, that's you know that that whole that's thing, become one of like that, my main nitpick of the movies. The way Jonathan yeah, Kent died. yeah yeah that, that that was one of the things that really you know rubbed me the wrong way in that movie. But I mean, the, I I like that movie. That movie was good, but. Yeah, that, it's just one of those things that was completely glanced over to to almost nothing, really. I mean, it it, it kind of is the crux of the story, but you don't feel yeah. that way, you know. That moment should have definitely have a bigger impact on you when Jonathan Kent died. But yeah, I agree with you. Just didn't get that, and it didn't really bother me too much when I first saw. It, but over one scene again, it does stand out more as one of the weaker moments of the movie. So yeah, but. Again, what gives me more confidence is that hopefully with Chris Terrio behind the script and not fully just on David Gore since he was the only one who did Man of Steel, right. hopefully he would be someone you know to kind of 
fix those mistakes if there were any that were in that original script in that draft to you know make us care about the characters and what's going on in the actual story. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and don't get me wrong, I have faith in Chris Terrio, but um, I don't know. There's just a thing in the back of my mind that it's like, oh, you remember that whole Man of Steel thing and you know Sucker Punch and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well. You'll know in two weeks. <laughs> we'll be texting each other after we see it <laughs> about what your reaction was and if those concerns right, were valid right. or not. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said before, half the fun is leading up to the movie and getting hyped about it with trailers, new stuff, and information that comes out. So before we move on and actually see the movie, kind of wanted to take a trip back and give you guys some of our favorite moments leading up to the movie and. I could easily say, you know, I've said it time and time again, that time, that second Comic-Con trailer that we got this past summer, that was such a highlight, and that's definitely up there. But I'm going to go back a little further to it for one of my favorite moments. And it wasn't the first, it wasn't the first announcement in 2013 when we found out Batman was going to be in it. That was awesome, though. I mean, how could you not get excited about, you know, because it was only a month after Man of Steel came out. And then you found out Batman's going to be in the next one. But I'll have to say it was Comic-Con 2014 when they didn't release this footage, but they did show that first bit of footage of, you know, the classic scene now where Batman on the rooftop in his armored suit and Superman hovering above him in the rain. I mean, just seeing the descriptions of that, I've seen people freak out of how awesome Batman looked in that armored suit. And then... trying to find people who were actually took a video of it and posted it online. I just remember having fun that day going back and forth with you, Dane, as we were trying to find uh, that footage and we kept texting each other some images right, or little video snippets that came out. I mean, that was a great moment just getting all hyped up. That's where I think the hype really kicked in because you're seeing the actual footage for it and people's reactions but just flipping out of what they were seeing of how great it looked. And just to get a little tease of that and some of the leaked video footage that came out you could definitely see why and it got pretty much everyone who was looking forward to this movie all hyped up so that was definitely a moment that stood out to me as one of my favorites yeah and that 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 was probably one of my that probably was my favorite uh moment of uh, out of all of this uh just just Trying to find that footage online, like somebody that's, that's maybe somebody recorded, um, and finally seeing it. I remember you sent me the link to it, and I remember just watching it over and over and over yeah. again, even though it was just some guy holding his phone, <laughs> his leg, or something. Uh, it was great. It was yeah. Great. And another thing I feel we should probably talk about before uh, we actually see the movie the one last thing was probably the biggest thing to ever come out of Batman v Superman as far as news wise was the actual casting of Ben Affleck as Batman and Dane I'm sure you can remember the big outcry (laughs) of upset fans when this news came out and the reason I want to bring it up is because it was a big moment not only because we were getting we found out who our new Batman was going to be but just you know the I guess you could say it was a controversy for some people, even though it really shouldn't have been. But the just how far I think most people have come from that initial announcement back in 2013 when we found out Ben Affleck was going to be Batman. Do you hear anyone really complaining about that anymore? I, I really don't. I think you really shut up all the naysayers with that first time we saw the trailer 
or I guess the second Comic Con trailer, and those images started coming out with Ben Affleck as seeing him as not only as Batman, but as Bruce Wayne, and especially when those first few images of the actual seeing him in the actual bat suit were coming out, and now just kept hearing people say. Oh, I don't see Ben Affleck. That's just Bruce Wayne, and that's just Batman. So I just think it's awesome that over the course of these three years leading up to the movie, pretty much anyone who was worried about Ben Affleck ruining the movie and you know being the worst Batman ever since George Clooney, those fears have all been put oh aside now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've liked, I've always liked Ben Affleck. Uh, he's he's a great actor who made. A few bad decisions. Daredevil, Jersey Girl. Um, <laughs> was that Geely? <laughs> Geely. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's a great actor who who just unfortunately made bad decisions. Maybe he had to do those so that he could do the things that he want he wanted to do so he could do the town or do Argo or whatever. Um, I think he's a great actor. Uh, I've never really had a problem with him, and you're right. You you don't hear that sort of yeah, but he was he was also in that terrible Daredevil movie, yeah. right? You, you don't hear that anymore. So yeah, I'm I'm totally stoked on Ben Affleck. <laughs> totally. I mean, he can end up being the best Batman yet. I mean, it's very possible that that will be the case. I mean, like I said before, how Christian Bale is. He's always going to have a special place in my Batman fandom as being my favorite Batman, Bruce Wayne. Uh, but we'll see if Ben Affleck can take over. But you know what? Just saying that right now, mentioning Christian Bale, did you see his quotes that he made about yeah, he didn't yeah. think he nailed it? <laughs> right, right. I was like, oh, come on, Christian. Like, it's cool that you're being humble and all that, but you know you nailed it. You did a great job. <laughs> it's like, I got to respectfully disagree with Christian Bale on that one. But it's cool that he's all hyped up for Batman v Superman, though. He's like still a Batman fan at heart as he's being excited for the movie. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, that actually kind of surprised me. That he he felt that he didn't really nail that the the Batman Bruce Wayne part. I know. I think he said too how seeing Heath Ledger kind of made him realize, you know, I kind of have to up my game or I'm not up to his level yet. So I think yeah. saying that that probably played a big part to it too. But there's no way. He I mean, all that. three of it. All three of his movies are critically acclaimed. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you can't really, you, you can't really deny yeah, and that. If anything, I think his performance is underrated because you know what most people are, when think of the Dark Knight trilogy, it's probably safe to say most people are going to remember Heath Ledger's performance. But you can't forget yeah. about Christian Bale's, and he's always going to be up real high up there as the best Batman's ever for me. So, but that's going to do it for the future topic. This is it our last main discussion on Batman v Superman before we actually see the movie. Then no more speculation and no more worries and concerns. We may have some complaints after seeing it, but I think going into it now, just being two weeks out, I'm super excited for it. I can't wait. I mean, it's my most anticipated movie of the year, and the year is just starting. So it's kind of cool we're getting an awesome movie like this right off the bat. So I know in our last episode, we mentioned how tickets were going on sale. I got my tickets that the day it went on sale early in the morning, went to the theater and picked them up. So I have them safed away in my uh, Star Wars uh, lunchbox tin <laughs> that I have. I don't have a Batman, unfortunately, so I stuck it in my Star Wars one. But they're safe and ready to go. Did you get yours, Dane? Yeah, yeah, I got it for the the, the um, seven o'clock. Okay, show. mine was at six o five. I was surprised that 
It's like, oh, really? it's getting earlier because I was expecting it to be seven. Then I saw a six oh five one. Oh, okay. The earlier the better for me. Yeah, you get out an yeah. hour earlier. I can give you my reaction maybe an hour early. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, Dave. No spoilers. Okay, good. But yeah, I'm going on to some of our news discussion topics. Um, a big one came out this past week, which I didn't see coming, and. Commissioner Gordon is going to be in this DC extended universe and he's going to show up in Justice League and he's going to be played by none other than J. Jonah Jameson from Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> yes J.K. Simmons is the new Jim Gordon and I don't know about you Dane but this is one of those casting choices where I thought man I didn't think about all that he would be a good choice or his name didn't even come to mind when I think about good Jim Gordons but it makes total sense I mean, he's already proven himself to be a great actor, and to see him now tackle on Jim Gordon, I think it's going to be great, and I can't wait to see it. But I did not expect it to happen, so it's one of those, yeah, didn't think of it, but I'm glad it's happening. Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those things that you don't think about, but then you think, yeah, I think J.K. Simmons can pull it off. Because I've, I've seen him in... Um, What's that movie called? Uh, the, the drumming movie. Uh, Whiplash. Yeah, I saw him in Whiplash. Whiplash was a, a great movie, and he definitely deserved that that Oscar for it. So it, he he he's he's a really good actor for uh, for Gordon. And I wonder too, this for it being a Justice League, he's not going to be in Batman v Superman. And do you remember those, some of those earlier rumors where it was a thought that Jim Gordon may be dead by the time. Batman v Superman's going on in this part of the DC universe but apparently that's yeah, not the yeah. case obviously so um, <laughs> it's just kind of makes you think you know Justice League's going to be taking place all over where obviously we're going to be in Gotham if Batman's going to be you know having conversations with Jim Gordon I'm just kind of surprised that he wouldn't be in this movie too what makes or what is the decision that they felt they had to use him for Justice League and not for Batman v Superman so find that to be a little interesting. I don't know if you felt the same way, but just kind of curious why they didn't introduce him now, yeah. saving it for Justice League. Yeah, and, and, and what is he going to be doing in Justice yeah. League? It's because you don't really think of, of Gordon when you read a Justice exactly. League, let's say, trade. You know? Unless he's already going to be in the robot bat suit, <laughs> like he is now in the comics. <laughs> <laughs> They're already going that route. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be curious to see how, what role he's going to play. It might just be one scene, who knows, but I think if they're getting a big actor like J.K. Simmons, he's going to be in it for more than just, you know, like a one-scene cameo. I expect him to have a pretty good role, maybe not a major role, but then there are enough, you know, where you really feel Gordon's presence. So, I mean, it'd be cool if he interacts with Superman and some of the other Justice League members. <laughs> That'd be cool. Something we've never seen before in a movie, so. No, no, just keep him in Gotham interacting with Batman. Yeah, but maybe Batman can go so many things, oh, Batman's just there, but then when he turns around, he sees like <laughs> the whole Justice League. Like, oh, oh boy, <laughs> that could yeah. be kind of fun. And now I'm hoping too, uh, since we got J.K. Simmons for Gordon, how funny would it be if for the new Spider-Man movies they got uh, Gary Oldman to play J. Jonah Jameson, <laughs> kind of do a reverse <laughs> of roles? <laughs> I actually think Gary Oldman can pull off a J. Jonah Jameson. I wouldn't think that'd be too bad. <laughs> I'm. I don't know. I'm convinced that Gary Oldman can play anybody. Yeah. Play anything. <laughs> I mean, uh, 
I don't know if you ever saw him in the fifth element. Yes. <laughs> but it, it, it's like you, you almost don't even recognize nope. him in that movie. <laughs> and, and and then you watch, like, let's say, The Dark Knight. And then, you know, you you can kind of see him, but you see Jim Gordon from uh, Batman Year One. I know. I don't know. It, 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 it's just one of those things. He, he's just one of those actors that can play anything. Yeah, he just disappears in whatever role that he has, <laughs> which makes him one yeah. of the greats. But you know what? I'm sorry if I I'm, I might go on a little rain here because we're talking about Justice League, and this made me remember the one bit of disappointing news we got from that Entertainment Weekly article that came out because they shed some light on you know what we can expect from the Justice League and what teases we'll get in Batman v Superman. But they did talk about Green Lantern as one of you know the future movies and franchises they're going to do. And they pretty much said, the producer, Charles Rovin, I believe, was the one who said this, that Green Lantern, you know, he's an important character. We got to treat him right. We didn't do a good job the last time. So we kind of ask our fans to be patient, and we think he'll be really happy with what we got planned. Oh, that sounds great. They're taking it seriously. But the key word there is patience. Because they said that, of course, you know, there's going to be the Green Lantern Corps movie in 2020. If they're saying he may... I use stress the word may show up in Justice League Part Two, and when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, come on! You can't be serious!" Because I was expecting, <laughs> okay, maybe he'll show up in a small cameo in Justice League Part One. I kind of already knew and accepted he's not going to be in Justice League Part One because he wasn't any of the concept arts. We haven't seen anything about him, no casting. So I got that, and I thought, okay, they'll make a hint of him or have a cameo and introduce a Green Lantern in Justice League Part One. And maybe Justice League Part 1 will take place on Earth, but then Green Lantern shows up like, hey guys, you may have saved Earth, but there's a much bigger threat going out <laughs> in the greater galaxy, and we're going to need your help. So the Justice League Part 2 will be more cosmic. They'll go into space, maybe actually go to Apocalypse, and that's where they utilize Green Lantern more. But now to find out that it's just a maybe for Part 2, I was like, ah, oh, so disappointing. And Dane, you know me as a big Green Lantern fan, me and my brother. I'm sure you saw our ranted complaints on Twitter that day, but it's like, how can you have not have, how can you have a Justice League movie, two of them, and not have Green Lantern in it? Someone who's a founding member who's been part of almost every iteration of the Justice League, and they're too scared to use him because of the 2011 movie. It's just, no, we've got to use this as an opportunity to show why he's such an awesome character and so why he's such a perfect fit into the Justice League. And I, I don't even care which one they use for Justice League. Just have a Green Lantern in there because it just I think it's such an important aspect of the team. And just from a fanboy aspect, visually, how cool would it be to see Green Lantern in action with all his constructs working with the Justice League with Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash? And, I had this thought in my head when I saw Man of Steel and how awesome that action sequences were in that movie and just thinking, I can't wait for Justice League where we're seeing Superman, Green Lantern, Flash, and Batman in here working together. It's going to be an amazing, something visually like we've never seen before. And now it's just a maybe. (laughs) So I was bummed about that. And hopefully, you know how movie studios like to make trilogies. So I like to think Justice League Part 2 won't be the last one. and There will be a three. But that hasn't been announced, so just based on what movies we have been announced, it looks like we might not get a Green Lantern in Justice League, and I think that's a big disappointment. So <sighs> I wish I could say I'm totally excited about everything in the DC Extended Universe. I was, but this really puts a little bummer on the whole Justice League front, being such a big Green Lantern fan. So 
just had to get that off my chest <laughs> and vent a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I don't get it either. But what about like a just a small little cameo? He shows up and you know he does his thing and you know he goes wherever. He he's not a main part of the movie. I mean, why not even? I know. That? I mean, if, hopefully that's where the maybe comes in, where he'll be in the final action sequence for part two. And I, if yeah. he's going to be in part two, I really hope it's more than just a cameo because oh, that'd be such a disappointment. I want to see him fight and work with the team. He's such an important member of the Justice League. Use him, <laughs> or or maybe they're just saving him for uh, the quote unquote second wave. Or yeah, whatever. I mean. That they probably are, and they can say whatever they want, but you know, it's all because they, I think they want to wait as long as possible to make people forget about the Ryan Reynolds movie. And if there's like a Green Lantern with the Justice League, it might give people the wrong impressions. Oh, that character's in it again from that movie that bombed a few years ago. So that's got to be the reason. It's such a darn shame, though, because <laughs> he's one of the coolest superheroes ever, and he's being shoved aside because of one bad movie. And I don't even think it's horrible, like people say. I could still watch and enjoy it, but I know how much of a failure it no, was. So. No, it's, 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 it's a bad movie. I, it's the Green Lantern fanboy in me that, you know, accepts the good parts of it and able to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, on to another bit of cool news. We did get some more information on the what will be included in the R-Raiders director cut that uh, we talked about on the last episode. And kind of like what I said before, on that episode, it was a lot of people overreacting about what can be included in it, and I think that's exactly what the case is going to be, because um, in that Entertainment Weekly article, they talked about that Ultimate Edition that's coming out, and the producer, again, Charles Rovin, he says that, um, you know, they're not going to do anything that's going to be, you know, so outrageously outlandish for an R-rated movie that, that you would not expect to see these superheroes in. He goes on to say, there's not a lot of blood in our movies, the rating board also judges their PG-13 and R ratings by what they consider to be a level of intensity and how much that intensity goes throughout the entire movie. And he says there's some pretty intense scenes in Batman v Superman, and if they went on longer and had that same level of intensity, that might cause the rating boards to shift their rating. So it's kind of like what we expected, Dane. Those like action moments or intense moments are just going to be a little longer than what we're going to get in the actual theatrical cut. And I still think it's going to be something that involves Batman. So to me, it's no big surprise. I'm excited about it. But at the same time, it just made me think it was such an overreaction for what people were thinking about having all these characters in an R-rated Batman v Superman movie. And even Ben Affleck kind of had the same uh, sentiments that I had where he says, there's no way I think a Batman v Superman should be R-rated in the movies because I want my take my kids to see it and be able not don't have to worry about them seeing anything they shouldn't. But at the same time, it's cool for the adult fans to have the option. That's the key word there: the option to see a movie like this. And the PG-13 one will still be there. So, yeah, not to rehash everything I ranted about last week, but you know, it's it's just a good win-win situation I think for both type of fans. So it's cool to get that information in here. I'm glad he said option. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, that's the key word. Because you do have a choice of whether or not you would like to purchase this R-rated movie or not. You know, you don't have to see it. It's not going to change the story any. Um, you may miss, I don't know, a few seconds or 30, 40, 50 seconds of 
extra footage of Batman and Superman fighting something or each other yeah. or whatever. I know. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be like you, you. You're gonna miss, you know, an important plot plot twist. Yeah, it's just gonna be some extra cool stuff for us fans. As even said too, there'll be a little more Easter eggs in there for us to check out and stuff that sets up the bigger DC extended universe with Justice League. So, all that sounds awesome. And then he even said yeah. to um, an a- the actress uh, Jenna Malone, whose character is still a mystery even though I think yeah. I have a pretty good idea who she's playing. Um, she's been cut from the whole movie in the theatrical cut, but her role will be put back in the director's cut. And uh, I believe Zack Snyder did say uh, she's definitely not Robin or Batgirl. So he says Robin or Batgirl, but that doesn't mean it's not Barbara Gordon or Carrie Kelly, <laughs> and they're not. And she's not Robin or Batgirl. So I still think she's going to be one of those two characters. And I'm Right now, leaning more towards the Barbara Gordon front. So, um, yeah. it would be so funny because I know there's a lot of speculation. A lot of these these sort of sites that have insiders in the business say that she's going to be yeah. Barbara Gordon or Batgirl or whatever. It'd be so funny if she's just a random assistant <laughs> to like, like uh, uh, Lex Luthor or. She's she's an intern at uh, the Daily Planet. <laughs> uh, talking about a big tease that had no payoff. Yeah, yeah, and she's she's just like just this regular character. You know? I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking where she he said that was definitely not Robin or Batgirl. I mean, if he's saying that, but at the same time not saying who she is. It's still going to be someone big. <laughs> like I said, I think it's just going to yeah. be. I mean, if that's the case, why keep the secret at all? It's just like the whole yeah, Ray and, thing and who her parents are. I mean, they're keeping it so much a secret. Why yeah. keep it a secret if her who her parents are aren't someone big like Luke Skywalker? So why even keep it a secret if it's these brand new characters that nobody knows or cares about just yet? Just say it if that's the case. So I think it's kind of something similar to that, where you know it's some a name people are going to recognize when we do find out who she is. Yeah. But but I mean it was the same thing with um uh oh, man I forget the guy's name. Uh Remember that picture came out uh of him with uh that green oh, yeah. the, the that sort of special effect green yeah. thing on his legs and everybody thought he was yeah, going to be the Scoot Flash. McNary, I think his name. Yeah. Scoot McNary, right, right. And everybody thought he was going to be the Flash <laughs> and <laughs> they cast somebody as the Flash, yep. right? <laughs> So, I don't know, it, it, it could be this, whoever Jenna Malone is going to be playing could just be just some, report, like a reporter or just a smaller bit part that they just decided to cut out because it really had nothing to do with the story and they they could have done this whole thing without yeah. her anyway. And I think that goes back into yeah. the whole point where he says, some of the stuff included in the Ultimate Edition is going to be Easter eggs and stuff that's setting up the larger DC universe. And if she is going to be playing Barbara Gordon or a Carrie Kelly, it fits into you know one of those things that are going to be included into the Extended Edition that will set up the bigger universe. So that's another thing that makes them more confident that she actually is going to be playing Barbara Gordon or another important character yeah. we'll recognize. But it's it's funny because this reminds me of one of my favorite. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you should definitely get it if you don't have it. I'm talking to everybody that listens to this podcast, besides, I mean, including Tim. Um, but Coolio, uh, you know, the rapper? He was in Batman Paradise. and Robin, too. Don't forget that. <laughs> he was in Batman and Robin. 
Uh, he was actually in Daredevil. Oh, really? His part got cut. It, 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 it was just one of those uh, cases where Matt Murdock was defending him because, according to Matt Murdock, because he can hear his heartbeat or the way he breathes or something, he was actually innocent. He was like a, you know, a gangster or something, and he got wrongfully, I mean, wrong, wrongfully accused of uh, murder, and so. His part got cut, but that's beside the point. That that is my absolute favorite extended director's cut of any single other. Really? Because it has nothing to do with with anything that goes on in that story. I mean, and to be honest, Coolio is probably the best wow. part of that movie. <laughs> Coolio is probably, I mean, besides Ben Affleck, is probably the best actor in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> could you now so that you say he, that? Could you say the same thing he, about Coolio and Batman and Robin? <laughs> no, I can't. I'm sorry, but I'm just saying if you do not own it, if you if you haven't seen it yet, definitely go out and buy it from the the five dollar bin at Walmart because it's probably, probably. In there. <laughs> Speaking of Daredevil, excited that season two comes out next week. Yeah, it looks it looks really oh, good. Yeah, that's right. Punisher and uh, yep. Electra. Right, yeah, right. I mean, the trailers on it looks really, really cool. And hopefully they'll do, hopefully they'll do uh, Electro right this <laughs> I think time. they are. <laughs> <laughs> did, did they get an actual Greek person to play her, or is it I just... Some no, the actress was in something. I don't remember what oh. it is, though. But she definitely looks the part, though, that's for sure. More oh, so okay. than Jennifer Garner. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> with those fake green... Uh, uh, green lenses. Uh, what are those things called? Uh, Contact lenses. <laughs> Did you ever see <laughs> She's her Electra movie? No, I haven't. I, no, I, haven't I, I haven't seen it, but I've yeah, heard how terrible it is. I mean, I haven't seen the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie yet. And you've never seen it? No. I've you've never, never seen it? it? Oh, man. You've got like, Especially now that. after the Netflix Daredevil series. <laughs> it's like, just go back yeah. and watch it and have fun like with it, <laughs> even though it's not going to compare it to the Netflix series. But. You had John Favreau as he's as foggy, foggy. really. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, he's foggy that movie. Um, uh, what else? Uh, uh, Colin Farrell yeah. as Bullseye. Was a terrible, Perfect. terrible look Perfect. for Bullseye. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I just know Michael um, Clark Duncan as Kingpin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, the flirt fight! Don't forget the flirt fight oh. between uh, Jennifer Garner. And- <laughs> well, yeah, they look like they fight at a playground or a park or something like that. Yeah, it's like from a playground in front of kids. It's, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Maybe I should watch that before season two gets going. You know, get myself on the Daredevil hype. Instead of season one again, I'll watch the Ben Affleck movie. Oh, and also don't forget the uh, you know the first uh, Spider Tobey Maguire uh-huh. Spider Man movie. Uh, uh, Spider-Man and Mary Jane have that upside-down yeah. kiss thing. The uh, the Daredevil movie tries to replicate that, but it just doesn't work out that way because apparently uh, Daredevil can see an image of somebody uh-huh. through the rain because the rain bouncing off, you know, I guess Jennifer Garner. Okay. Yeah, and like... It, it was supposed to be like the the whole Spider-Man upside down kiss, but it just <laughs> yeah it doesn't 
Yeah, it, it doesn't sound doesn't like work. it does at all. <laughs> what you're describing. Yeah. Oh, and the topping on the cake. The topping on the cake is the the new metal soundtrack. <laughs> oh, that Evanescence uh, song. Pop- yeah, populated by Evanescence. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that that video all the time. <laughs> all I remember from that video was someone <laughs> falling out the window, or they're trying to grab her, or he's trying to grab her. I forget who was falling out the window. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But- it, it's 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 definitely a must watch. If it's going to be exciting. I got to say, just for you talking about it, <laughs> I got to see it now. I mean, I recommend it to people because it's so awfully but good bad <laughs> that you just have to just have like to watch Street Fighter the movie. So bad is good. <laughs> yeah, just like, just like Street Fighter the movie, just like the second uh, Predator <laughs> movie. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just it's just like one of those movies. Yeah, I, I have the DVD somewhere, <laughs> so I should probably just pop it in and check it out. <laughs> no, but definitely, if you can get your hands on it, get the extended cut with um, with Coolio on it because it makes it a better movie. Just because it Coolio's part has nothing to do with the movie, and you can see why it got cut. Is that what it Coolio. says on the box? Extended cut with Coolio makes the movie better. Yeah, it's extended. <laughs> It's just like extended edition, director's cut. I I can't remember, but um, yeah, definitely get the extended version because that's where the money's at. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> but moving on from Daredevil, um, from another old movie, we got some you know cool but disappointing news, where it just came out that there was a comic series planned with DC about a new Batman story taking place or set in the Batman, Tim Burton Batman universe. And it would continue on from Batman returns. And I believe it was going to be by, it was going to call Batman 89 by Joe Quinn, Quinones. I'm sure I'm pronouncing his last name wrong. And Kate left. They said they pitched the idea to DC. Quinones. Okay. There you go. Quinones. <laughs> oh, I'll let you pronounce his name from now on. Cause you said, Okay, joking. He made it sound a lot better than I did. <laughs> so I feel like this is a really cool concept because they're saying, you know, DC was good. You know, they have the Batman 66 stories. They have the Wonder Woman 77. And doing a story set in the Tim Burton Batman universe, that definitely would have got me intrigued. And one of the cool things, too, and they said they were going to plan to use Selena Kyle. They're going to introduce, you know, Robin, Barbara Gordon, Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy into that um, world. But we finally would have saw the Billy D. Williams two phase, and there's some sketches of, of what it was going to be, and it looked pretty cool. I mean, I risk, I don't know why DC didn't go with this. I'm sure they realized a lot of fans of the Tim Burton movies would have been, you know, dying to see some of these stories continue and these unused concepts like the Billy D. Williams two phase. So I thought this was a cool idea. Just a little disappointing, never got off the ground. Yeah, it would have definitely been better than the Batman '66. Because did you read? Uh, did you read uh, uh, I've heard. Of, I know it started off good, but I haven't really kept track with it to see if you know if it's still going strong or if it's dipped down in quality at all. But I heard it captures the tone of it pretty good. Yeah, I, I read the first couple of issues and it just didn't capture my attention. Yeah, so um, I'm sure this Batman '89 would have been a lot better because you already have you know this whole universe, this whole great universe. And that's the thing, a great universe. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, sure, there's some complaints we have. One, number one, Joker killing Bruce's parents, but and some of the stuff they did with Penguin, but 
they're dead now, so I don't think that stuff would come up too much. So, as I said, like bringing Catwoman in, continuing with the Harvey two Harvey Dent two phase that Tim Burton had planned, that stuff could have been cool to see played out. But maybe DC will realize later yeah. on is more people get uh, you know nostalgic and want to and want to <laughs> read those stories again. They put it out, but I thought it was a cool little thing, like almost a missed opportunity type thing. But hopefully, we'll see it get the green light one day. And how can you say no to Billy? I know. Come two on. Face? <laughs> <laughs> how cool would would that? Be? I know. Steve yeah. Flipping like he's throwing a little catchphrase from Billy D. Williams either. Like works every time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, they, they should have green lit it just for that reason alone. Seeing the Billy D. Williams two face. Can't say no. Can't say no. Yes. <laughs> to Billy D. That's the general rule of life. You just don't say no to Billy D. <laughs> And that's going to be it for our news and discussion topics. So we can go ahead and move on to our conversation with Alex. Okay, well, Alex says, Hey, my brothers of the bat. Awesome episode as always. Thank you, Alex. I have to ask, Tim, were you truly getting mad over the R-rated extended cut complaints? Even when you're upset, you just sound so nice. <laughs> oh, man. I, I do get that sometimes where people think I'm too nice. <laughs> like, I can't get mad, but... <laughs> I guess for right now, that's as mad as you're going to get, even if it doesn't seem like I really am. <laughs> yeah. I'd be calling people crybabies and whiners left and right. Actually, I will. Hey, crybabies to the left and whiners to the right. It's not a theatrical cut. It's an option again. and a premium option at that. A hero is only as good as a villain, though. And while I really like the Batman animated series and movies, it wasn't until I read Nightfall... The Killing Joke and Death in the Family as a nine-year-old where I started to really like Batman. The stories we tell each other as kids or read in books or see on the news or even some of the experiences we had in our lives seem worse than what was going on in Batman, the animated series. So the comics were really appealing. And even then, that stuff didn't shock me at all. I already knew about rapists, cannibals, drug lords, the mafia, sex traffickers, etc. And Batman dealt with those kind of people. You know, that that brings up a good point. Because I was watching, I mean, I I know you're re-watching almost every episode of Mm -hmm. the animated series. But I was watching uh, It's Never Too Late. The one with the the monster war with Stromwell and Thorne. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I... it's weird because they deal with hardcore yeah. drug addiction in that in yeah. that, in that uh, episode, and they do it with such class that you know a, a a kid could understand it and an adult can understand it and get it, which is, I mean, I know we say that a lot about the Batman the animated series, but no episode more than that sort of it. it is an example of that. I mean, maybe the the Two Face uh, episodes, where you know you get sort of a primer on psychological uh-huh. problems, but yeah, hardcore drug addiction. In, it's never too late. That that's just perfect. I mean, h- yeah, how they handled totally. that. Yeah, for a children's show back in 1992 to tackle that subject and pull it off so right. well. Yeah, perfect example. Using a using yeah. a superhero. <laughs> But anyway, uh, 
Obviously, making something dark and gritty doesn't make it good. Heck, I think Pixar's Incredibles is much better than most superhero movies. But if it's pulled off well, like in Netflix's Daredevil, I appreciate it. And it made Daredevil my favorite live-action superhero so far. I don't understand these adults that expect these super-powered pajama-wearing <laughs> men to give them hope or whatever. Um, I'm sorry, I don't... I don't mean to constantly interrupt Alex's email, but uh, th- there's a sort of, I don't know, Facebook viral video thing going around where um, this uh, is this man's birthday and apparently uh, his stepdaughter asked or, or gave him the papers to uh, adopt her and made her cry and everything. And, they, you know, it's supposed to be all this warm video. But before he gets the papers, he pulls out, I, I guess they had gotten him a big, and I didn't know they make this, but it's a Batman v Superman adult onesie. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my God, they actually like make the Batman those? Batman costume or the Superman like, costume, both combined? Like, what type was it? No, no, it, it's, it's, it's a gray onesie. So just think of an adult onesie, and it has the Batman v Superman okay. logo right on the chest. <laughs> I was like, man, I gotta get me one of those now. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be embarrassed to wear that. <laughs> you need, I mean, you're only wearing it in exactly. your house, but are your brothers? You know? <laughs> so, oh man, I gotta get me one of those. But anyway, um, I don't want everything to be dark, but those complaints that those people are having is bizarre to me. I think everything should be taken on a case by case basis. And a lot of the recent DC animated movies, I think the violence and swearing is gratuitous because their subject matter is so juvenile. However, in the, in the Under the Red Hood movie, it bugged the heck out of me that Jason got beaten with a crowbar and he didn't get busted up more. And when he was blown up, his body wasn't a mess. They either should have left it to our imagination, like that beautiful scene of Dick's parents' death in Robin's Reckoning, Reckoning or they should have shown him as a bloody mess like in the comic. Not fully clothed with some cuts. Anyways, I agree with the praise for Steve Englehart's run. He's my fourth favorite Batman writer. I've read that strange uh, apparitions book multiple times, and it's great every time I read it. And one more thing. I saw the casting of J.K. Simmons for Gordon. I never would have thought of him to play Gordon, but it's perfect. He's a fantastic actor, and I can't wait to see what he does with the character. And of course, Alex always has questions, right, Tim? Some good ones on this episode. <laughs> yeah. Especially that first one, right, Tim? Of course. His first uh, question is, what are your top five favorite Bruce Tim DC animated universe episodes? His are, uh, well, his first one is Perchance the Dream. Two is The Late Mr. Kent. It's a great episode. That Three is... Oh, yeah, I've never seen it. Without spoiling it away, it's where uh, Clark Kent is investigating a murder and thinks the person who's convicted yeah. didn't do it, and then he gets killed. <laughs> but um, so they see is this is where Clark Kent's dead, but Superman, of course, is still there. So he has to try to you know work out of uh, releasing that convicted felon who we know is innocent. But at the same time, do it as yeah. Superman and not Clark Kent, who was investigating that story. At the same time, try to bring Clark Kent back because obviously he's not dead. So it's a great story and a great episode. So definitely check that one out if you haven't seen it. And you know what I'm angry at? I'm really angry at this now. 
but I bought a couple episodes on um uh, on iTunes, and they cut out the original intro. Yeah, no, as I'm rewatching, and I'm on Amazon Prime, the first yeah. volume of the Batman set. A lot of them have the Batman Superman opening that they used to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then on the second set, most of it's the original animated series opening. So I don't know why it triggered that. Some episodes it hasn't, and some episodes it don't. You got to keep the original. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the yeah, classic. But I do like that Batman Superman opening. I have to say. <laughs> no, 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 no. The the original Batman the animated series one is it's the, the greatest. greatest. But I really do like that Batman Superman one. It's a great theme and the collage and the style of the intro is so cool too. <sighs> You lost your <laughs> Batman card. No, I did. I didn't say it was better. I just said it was good. <laughs> uh, his third is I Am the Night. His fourth is Apocalypse Now. His fifth is Epilogue. Uh, Alex picked some good choices so, on Tim, there. And I know you're chomping at the bit. Your <laughs> <laughs> top five Bruce Tim animated universe. Yeah, this is hard though because if I wanted to, I could just. Yeah. Easily do Batman the animated series, but I wanted to pick and choose from from the different Bruce Tim animated series. So I'm only going to pick two from Batman the animated series. So number one is going to be my all time favorite, Robin's Reckoning Part One. Number two, Appointment in Crime Alley, which I think is the most underrated Batman the animated series episode. Number three, I'm going to pick one that Alex used here. I'm going to go with Epilogue from Justice League Unlimited. Talk about wrapping up the whole Batman and DC animated universe in one nice, neat little package. It was Justice League Epilogue, despite getting another Justice League season after that, but it still wraps up everything <laughs> in a beautiful way. And then number four, I'm going to go with um, Batman Beyond Out of the Past. I love that episode where you see Bruce going to Lazarus Pit and he becomes young again and he's working with Terry and then you get that whole Rachel Ghoul twist with Talia. So <laughs> that was uh, probably the best Batman Beyond episode. It's so cool as a Batman fan to see that. And then number five, um, for Superman the Animated Series, um, I was going to... It was definitely going to be Apocalypse Now, uh, part two, because that one, when you got the death of Dan Turpin in there, Superman taking on the dark side attack on the city against Superman and the police force which is it was just a great action episode with a good emotional payoff at the end so that was my number fifth pick but once I saw Alex's email and remembered the late Mr. Kent I had to think about it a little bit because that was a really great episode too but I think Apocalypse Now uh, just takes it over so those are my five um definitely number one is probably going to be uh, the, the one I mentioned previously. It's never too late. I mean, dealing with drug addiction. Um, and forgiveness. Yeah, too. <laughs> that's a big thing. Yeah, 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 and forgiveness. So you, you know, you don't really think about teaching these, teaching kids these things via a superhero animated show, but I don't know. It's, it's just one of those... It, it's just one of those classics that, that doesn't often get mentioned in top five... 10, 20 lists of Batman the Animated Series episodes. And I'm guilty of that too because it's not in my top 10 yeah. but I recognize when I, every time I watch it just how good it really is. Yeah, and plus do Batman is hardly in yeah. it. That's the thing. It's, it's mostly the two gangsters. But um, real quick, I'm sorry, Dane. Mentioning Batman yeah, being in it, an episode I just watched last night was Moon of the Wolf. That just might be the worst 
Batman appearance in any Batman the animated series episode. He was just did not like how he was written, how he got taken out. And this is dialogue. Like kept calling the wolf like come on Shaggy or come on Harry had enough Shaggy like eh, this doesn't sound good coming from Batman. <laughs> Um, number two would probably be uh, Robin's Reckoning Part 1 number three would probably be uh, Perchance the Dream Uh, that's another one of my favorites that doesn't really get mentioned Uh, I I see it some places but not as much as it's never too late Uh, number four I have to say Scott Snyder did it better. Ugh, but <laughs> Heart of Ice, number five, is probably uh, Two-Face Part 1 and 2. Oh, awesome choices. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Mr. Freeze, I saw the Gotham's take on Mr. Freeze. Yeah, why is he wearing that suit? That suit look, yeah, doesn't look good. That, the suit wasn't the I best, but I will say I was skeptical about them using him and yeah. figure like how are they going to make yeah. it work but it's definitely the Gotham take on Mr. Freeze but I thought it worked pretty well it was a lot better than I thought it would and it did kind of set up to you know do the whole Mr. Freeze thing when Batman does finally show up so I was actually pleasantly surprised at how they handled it they actually did a pretty good job with it Sonora's alive right? um, it's kind of left in the yeah, they kind of hinted that she died but it's still you know could be where she's around later oh. on so you know what, Dane? All right, well, I'm gonna uh, make you mad and say I preferred this better than what Scott Snyder did in that one shot or that annual. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is over too. We uh, we no longer can be talking to each other. Uh, well, I guess I won't find out what you think of Batman v Superman. Then <laughs> I'll just I'll just assume. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> um, your second question is: Where do you want them to start with with uh, DC? Uh, rebirth, ideally. I'm really confused about it, but since about it, since uh, Grant Morrison's Batman Incorporated continued from pre-New 52, but it was part of the New 52 continuity. I want you guys on really wanting that legacy back. Well, Alex, I'm going to agree with that uh, last statement. I think they should just go back to the the pre-New 52 timeline. Uh, this New 52 timeline isn't really working, well, for me anyway. Um, and just go back to the old the, the old continuity. The, the, that's the only thing they can do. They can try again, but they, they, they would have to get so much so right that I don't think they could do it. Um, and with that said, now, I... I don't mean to lose my Batman card on this <laughs> or whatever, my Batman fan card, but I am not going to read any comics from now until DC Rebirth. I I can't blame you for because, that. Actually. <laughs> yeah, because I just it's a kind of like what's the point type thing. I, I was just, yeah 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 like 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 what what's the point of this? I mean, if they're just gonna do this soft reset, bit, quote unquote, um. What's the point? Because we saw what happened with the new 52 and how all that legacy that was before got forgotten. And, you know, this seems like, even though Jeff John says this isn't going to be the new 52 over and over, you know, is 
is it's not going to be the new 52 again. Um, I don't really believe him. I just don't. Uh, so I'm just like, you know, what's the point of reading all these books if in the end they're just going to reset this whole thing? We're going to have a new Batman. Uh, I'm not going to give you my money until, you know, you decide to stick to one thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's their job to prove that to you. So as you said, also in the right. statement and videos, so hopefully they pull it off. But yeah, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be buying or reading any comics from from now until uh, the new the, the new fifty two, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the DC, yeah, the new new fifty two, uh, the DC Rebirth actually kicks off. Yeah, for me, as far as where I want it to take place, I mean, I don't want them to erase everything from the new 52 because we got some good stories in there Endgame, court of owls and that type of stuff so i i think it's just going to pick up wherever the last issue ends i mean maybe they'll jump back a little bit but ideally since i want some of the new 52 stuff i would think just pick it up after Endgame. where i mean because i mean we still got the last issue of the gordon and batman coming up uh i believe it comes out in a few weeks but in the end, it wasn't really the best, and I don't think it's going to add anything to the Batman mythos as we look back on it. So I could do without that whole thing happening. So if it picks up you know, after Endgame and Bruce comes back that way, uh, that would be my ideal way. But I have a feeling that uh, Rebirth is going to start wherever the last issues of the New 52 come out. So I don't think there's going to be not much we can do about that. And just hopefully Jeff Johns can pull it off where no matter where he picks it up, he'll tie a bunch of all the legacy stuff we want back into this new universe. So we'll yeah. wait and see. Or they, they could end it at the, uh, or they could begin it at the zero issue. Like from those. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the new 52 zero issue. Yeah, those were all hit and miss too. <laughs> I actually want yeah. some of that stuff gone. <laughs> Remember the. You know, I forget point, what Never zero mind. issue it was, what yeah. title, but you remember the whole Jason Todd Joker fiasco thing? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> like, that has to go. <laughs> that should be like the first thing they get rid of. But, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, thank you, Alex, for your email. We always enjoy reading your emails. Keep on sending them in. Uh, we, we love your questions because. <laughs> Especially that second question. And yeah, anytime one. it deals with the DC first animated one. universe, you know it's going to be a good one. <laughs> so thank you, Alex. We love you. And Tim, well, what are we doing next? Next, you're going to be hear more gushing from me as we get into our comic book reviews. Because on this episode, we're going to be talking about Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number four. And you know how much I love that. <laughs> really? really? You love them, Tim? You, you actually love, love that? Love. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good but before I get into it of course spoiler warning out there gonna dive into all the big stuff that happens into this issue so if you haven't read it yet might want to hold off and once you do because every Batman fan should be reading this <laughs> then come back and listen to the episode but before we do we gotta give of course a rating scale for this one and I don't know I'm thinking something has to do with Coolio and Daredevil Dane <laughs> yeah definitely how about Coolio lines that got cut from the Daredevil okay. movie? Sounds good. <laughs> so, 
Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number four. And should I just skip to the chase and say it's a five out of five uh, Coolio lines that got cut from Daredevil? <laughs> you might as well, Tim. You might as well, because I know that's yeah, what that, it's going to be. It is. This issue was awesome. It's my favorite yet of the series, and you knew how much I loved issue number two, and I think this one topped it. Uh, it starts off with um, an Arkham with a doctor you know, trying to interrogate a member of the Foot Clan who was, uh, got captured and they're getting nothing out of him. But then the doctor, you know, passes by Joker's cell and Joker's taunting her saying, you know, I'm hearing there's some, there's like some new things going out there. There's a new guy in town. Like there's something fun going on that I want to be a part of, like open the door. And, you know, it's trying to get her to get involved, get Joker involved with this. And, but there's like a little tease just in the beginning, but you know, Joker's going to be involved in the end. And it teases that on the final page, as I'll mention later. But the meat of this issue, again, what's so great about us to deal with Batman and the Turtles and this issue I think like none other just really brings home what a great mashup <laughs> bringing these two franchises together are it starts off first and it's so fun and funny in these moments of Alfred uh, you know kind of getting into a little with Michelangelo you see Alfred taking like a towers of pizza again delivered from a delivery boy then Michelangelo just comes riding down a skateboard down the staircase and falls on Alfred and gets damages all the pizza. Then just the him and the, the back and forth that Michelangelo and Alfred had is real funny where I was like wondering or trying to debate on like what to call each other. It's like Alfred's all like, don't call me dude and like <laughs> then Alfred's all Michelangelo's all come on like old master Alfred's like master is not what you should call me either. Just the two total opposite personalities going at it with each other. It's just really fun to see and James Tinian captures both the the dynamics of those characters so well. Just seeing so awesome seeing Alfred interact with Michelangelo, the one, you know, who's known for being the most uh, wild and likes to have a good time. He's, of course he's gonna clash with Alfred. But what I like too is just seeing the different again we got this a little bit in early issues but the turtles uh, interacting with Batman in the Batcave um, this one was a really cool action sequence of Batman sparring with Leonardo and I kind of said one of my one nitpicks in issue 2 where they fought was Leonardo got taken out pretty easily and I know he's a better fighter <laughs> than with that fight showcase but then again it's Batman but knowing that he's training with Batman now and it's, we showed him sparring off again Leonardo got to get a hit in there and actually took Batman down which was pretty cool with Splinter looking on and kind of helping out too so that was an awesome moment seeing Batman and Leo, Leo fight just you know in, in a good training exercise and then you see Donnie looking at Batman's uh, computers going over past battles that they had I thought that was kind of interesting too where issue 3 left off they've actually had some adventures together since then because you see some video footage of the Turtles taking out the Mad Hatter so you know they've been doing things together despite uh, the gap between the issues 3 and 4 and Raph's getting upset because they're all doing these missions with Batman that aren't really doing much to help them get them home because we know they only have a little bit of time left because they're going to resort back to being just normal turtles, turtles along or they stay in this universe and in Gotham. So Raph is upset with that, and he starts flipping out and saying, like, he just pretty much can't stand Batman because he thinks he's just a rich guy who's a thrill seeker. He's just putting on the costume, doing what he thinks is right, having a, a good time to dispense justice. He doesn't know the truth about Batman. And, you know, we all know that's not the case, but it leads to a great moment coming up between Batman and Raph. But before we get there... 
I think a lot of people are going to agree that a highlight of this issue has to be Batman eating pizza with the turtles. I mean, come on. <laughs> How awesome is that visually? It, I think it was even one of those variant covers. So it was just really cool seeing uh, Michelangelo trying to offer Batman saying, you know, that's not really part of my diet. <laughs> but but Batman tasted it. It was a little weird, I have to say, to see Batman have a smile on his face after he has a pizza and saying, you know, it's good. <laughs> but it was still a pretty cool moment, you know, seeing Batman get immersed in the, the turtles' lore of pizza. So that was really fun. And then you see a little bit of Rachel Ghoul and Shredder. We know that they were teaming up from the last issue. They have another machine ready to go to uh, not go home because they want to use it to take over Gotham. And Shredder has a plan on how to do that. So he brings back, uh, he has someone he's bringing back to that teleporter. And it ends up being Casey Jones. And with him is some canisters of mutagen because he's trying to bring that back to the turtles because he knows they're going to need it. So it was cool to see Casey be brought into the story now. He's always a good character to read about in turtle stories. So I was glad they found a way to bring him in here. But. My favorite moment is what made this issue for me. We see Raph walking, because he left the Batcave being upset with everybody, and then the classic Turtles trench coat outfit, like from the first movie, and it was drawn really good. So we see him walking down the streets, and then Batman pulls up in the Batmobile, telling him to get in. And Batman ends up taking him to Crime Alley uh, to kind of explain to Raph while he's doing all this. And this was such a great moment. And of course, I've said this before too, how much I love it. Anytime Batman goes into why he does what he does being Batman into the whole parents' murder and how that being his motivation. And, you know, Raph is skeptical at first, but that Batman tells him the story, being a little boy, um, seeing his parents get killed and promising he's not going to let that happen to another family ever again. And this is where I think it's really genius of what James Tinian did to incorporate this into the main story of the Turtles and why Batman's involved with them. Because he's viewing the Turtle situation about them resorting back to being normal turtles in a sense you could pretty say they're almost dying too they're going to lose the family bond that they have they're not going to remember each other as normal pet turtles so batman is viewing that as the same thing of the promise he made they're a family they're in trouble they're going to be torn apart destroyed if he does not help them so that's what you know kind of uh, clicks to wrath that okay this guy is, you know i can trust this guy he really is doing something that's noble because i just love how batman said that i made a promise to never let what happened to my family happened to anyone else's, and you're a family that I'm seeing that's in danger of that happening, and I can't let that happen as the vow I made. I thought that was so great and genius and how James Tinian made that the core of the story of why Batman's teaming up with the Turtles. And that was something I said early on where I don't really necessarily have the greatest story or reason to why Batman's teaming up with the Turtles. It could just be, yeah, they're coming up from another dimension. They have to work with each each other to stop Shredder and a Batman villain, and I'll be cool with that. But to give it a little more emotion to it and more depth to the reasoning why Batman do it, I thought was great. So it just adds so much more to why the story is great. So uh, they find out that uh, the Turtles find out that Shredder and Rachel Gould have activated another dimensional portal, and they go over there. <laughs> and of course, the Turtles take one of Batman's Batman Batmobiles to not good results as they damage it as they crash through the hideout. And they run into Casey Jones, who reveals to them that Shredder and Raish did take the mutagen he brought with them. And the Turtles ask, like, did you hear him say anything, what he's going to do? He goes, not much. I just heard him say one word, Arkham. Like, does that mean anything to you? And then the last page of it, you see Shredder and Raish al Ghul at the gates of Arkham with canisters of mutagens in their arms about to go in. And <laughs> you can pretty much guess what they're going to do. All these villains in there and we got the tease with the Joker that he knows something's going to go down and he wants in. We're going to see a lot of 
Arkham inmates infused with mutagen. So it should be interesting to see that if they're gonna you know transform into like animals like the turtles villains do like Rocksteady and Bebop. If we get to see Batman villains transformed like that, so it's gonna be curious to see how that pulls off. I'm just worried that it doesn't go too crazy and lose that great core story and emotional uh, dynamic that Batman and the turtles have. Uh, I think. James Tennant will pull it off because he's done such a great job of balancing the two, like the skeptical with substance in these four issues already. So this issue had it all fun, great stories, great moments with Batman and Raphael and just setting up for bigger things to come with only four, two more issues left. So that's the only downside. It's almost over and I don't want it to end, but (laughs) I'll say it again. Five out of five Coolio lines that got cut from the Daredevil movie. This story is so, so good. Do, do other people feel this way? Or is it just I know you? I converted Mark. He's reading the okay. Turtles Batman crossover, and he's even reading the normal Turtle really? comics, and he's loving it. So I'm glad I got him in the Turtle. Wow. <laughs> wow, okay. I guess no. I know you then. <laughs> it feels this way. I know it's getting good reviews on like different comic websites, so it is critically doing well. But I haven't. I don't see too many people co- talking about it, though, on like Twitter and stuff. I'm trying to get the word out how awesome it is. So <laughs> hopefully people check yeah. it out because it's so good. And James Tinian yep. writes this. Wow. It's, it's definitely my favorite oh. work of his, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, am I doing oh, the outro? On, you're always doing the outro. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not oh, the same sorry, if you don't dude. do the outro. Okay. <laughs> All right, just go to the Batman <laughs> Universe on Facebook. On Facebook, at Facebook.com. You have to say it like Batman that now, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> or on Twitter, Twitter handles at Batman Universe. Our Twitter handles at Batfans Podcast. Email our show at Batfans Podcast. Um, oh wait, what? What am I saying, Tim? <laughs> uh, I see you're all thrown off guard now. <laughs> uh, okay, email our show at batfanswithoutpants at gmail dot com. You can follow Tim and I on Twitter. Tim's Twitter handle is at Tim G. Uh, at Tim G. <laughs> Come on, dude, you can make it through. <laughs> At Tim G, March 11. <laughs> yes, belated happy 311 dates, all my fellow 311 fans out there who are listening. <laughs> Do they have any other album besides... I mean, any other, like, uh, hit besides that one off the green album? First off, it's the blue album. <laughs> no, 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 the, uh, that, that oh, sort of green system, one it looks like a stereo. One was come original. Okay. Yeah, come original. Yeah. They have. I wish I could say they had more hits, but they have a handful of hits. Their biggest hits are Down, Amber, Come Original is another one, and Beautiful Disaster, and their and their cover of the Cure love song. Those are like their five big hits. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a big one. But there's puts me in a but <laughs> but they have, their catalog of songs is so much greater than those singles. <laughs> okay, okay, sorry, Tim. Uh, at Tim G three eleven. There you go for for three eleven day, and my Twitter handle is at Dane says banana. So with that, we love you very much. Just remember, if there's if you're feeling alone in this world, just remember Tim and Dane do in fact love you. So with that being said, we'll see you guys next time, right, right. Tim? And farewell, Dosivadania. <laughs> oh, what is that? It's supposed to be Russian. Hopefully, I said it right. <laughs> Goodbye in Russia, yes. <laughs> Did you look that up? <laughs>
I gotta get on the roll now. I said at the beginning of the year I'm gonna be saying goodbye in different languages. I gotta have a bigger catalog then, like Orba, Sayonara, and Adios. So yeah. <laughs> I'm expanding my vocabulary. What's uh, goodbye in German? I said that lot last episode. I already forgot. Oh, <laughs> Yes, I'm still looking for Yeah, that one. I got it.